You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Hive Hoops, I'm your host, Joshua Balta. Terry Mangum of Buzz Boys is joining us today. Going to be covering all things Summer League. Going to kind of recap it because now that we're getting to the end of Summer League and we've seen all the all of the performances, my God. Um, we're, we're just going to try to do our best to, uh, you know, summarize for everybody our thoughts, where we sit heading into the rest of the offseason, into training camp and all of those things as the season, you know, nears, even though it's so far away. Um, so going to talk about that. And then 10-man rotation, where are we looking? Now that Summer League, we have a good idea, just kind of where do we personally sit as far as seeing where the guys in the lineups and the rotation rests as of today. So before we do all that, Terry, man, how's it going? It's going good, man. I'm, I'm happy to be on here, man. I love the network, so I'm happy to be up here. And what we just saw was ugly, man, but hey, we got to talk about it. <laughs> Hey, so look, I was in and out of the game tonight. I did not really start picking up and watching until fourth quarter. Um, once the news came out, I was already not going to be as invested in watching tonight. Yeah. No matter yeah. whether Brandon Miller was playing, Kai Jones was playing, it didn't really matter. Tonight, I was I was just going to miss most of the game. But I got on the timeline and I just checked up. I just wanted to see kind of where we were, what was going on. I did not expect for it to be pretty whatsoever. And I see 25 to 5 in the first quarter. <laughs> Pelicans jump out to a 16 to 0 start. The Hornets start 0 of 14 from the field. I'm like, what in the hell is going on out here? You have people all of a sudden claiming Brandon Miller, they're they're putting goat status on him because oh, they saw the difference and i it, man it was it was a trip but then the hornets made it a game and james book Knight had by far his best showing of the wow. summer i'm going to have to give it you know a run back i still haven't watched the full game uh but i'm going to go back and so i can collect my thoughts i guess fully uh but as a whole right now we're just going to try to look at all of the games from what we've seen. Obviously, more attention on the priors than tonight. But what are your thoughts on Summer League, on these Summer League Hornets as a whole, as we um, stand today? My immediate first thought was just ugly team basketball. That's what we've been seeing from the very first game in the California Classic. Little to no team basketball. Um, a lot of guys out there playing for themselves. A lot of selfishness um, at times in almost every game, really. Brandon Miller led the team in assists. He was the only person out there even trying to play make. People weren't even trying to pass him the ball. It seemed like it was personal out there. I don't know. That's really my first thing. But all in all, I saw what I need to see from the players that I think are actually going to have a chance to be on this roster. I saw what I need to see from Brandon, um, even Kai, and even book, I mean, he, you know, tonight doesn't really outweigh what I've saw in these other four games. So, I mean, I think I've seen everything I need to see from 
everybody's actually going to have an impact. Even James Najee, he he played he played pretty good. All right, so you mentioned Brandon Miller. What did you see that you liked from Brandon Miller over summer league and during summer league? Um, ultimately, like I said, his playmaking for his size at six nine, um, and to be playing out of position at the four, and we we know he's not going to be playing that on the real team, but just the playmaking, leading the team in assists, the rebounding had multiple games with double digit rebounds, the defense often guarding the other team's best player and doing a damn good job. We even saw him, you know, lock Wimby a couple of times and go viral for that. So, you know, the PG comparisons, you know, it it could be it could be there, but um his scoring, you know, we saw that in the last game where he just heated up and, you know, he was knocking down threes, doing what we drafted him to do, which I wasn't worried about. You know, you don't go from a forty percent three point shooter in college to not being able to shoot in a few months. Like I wasn't worried about that. But yeah, I liked all I liked all that stuff. He showed a, a good all around game. Showed everything that I needed to see. So one of the things that I've highlighted in prior episodes, and the number one thing that I liked from Brandon Miller was his willingness to just move the basketball. Yep. He knowing and coming into summer league as the number two overall pick. All eyes and most people wanted him to come in and get his shots just, up, Jack, and do a lot of what the rest of the Charlotte Hornets during summer league were doing, which is just looking for theirs and theirs alone. And I mean, it wasn't flashy. I mean, Brandon Miller really didn't show, you know, anything flashy or over the top that you know in the passing category. It was just basic. Movement in the right play, making the right reads. Yeah, I mean, just like you have a guy fly out to you, and the guy in the corner is open. He kicked it quick without having to think about it. I, you know, those are those natural tendencies when you hear people say they just know how to play the game, and they make and like you just stated, they make the right plays. It's those instinctual moments where you may have an advantageous situation, but your teammate has a better one. And so instead of that guy's flying out to him and instead of pump faking and looking for his and going around dribbling and then, you know, pulling up with another guy probably closing out on him after, you know, the previous guy went flying by, he just passes to the corner. And, you know, those types of plays, that stuck out to me. He didn't just look for his in summer league. He came in. And he he had a willingness to move the basketball. Two was his handle. Uh, that's where I, for being six nine, his handle is it's good. It's really good. Uh, and that's where I think the front office and a lot of draft experts, uh, you know, analysis things of that nature, when they see that handle. They like it because, I mean, and and playing shooting guard. And we've heard a lot of conversation about Brandon Miller being able to play the two. That's where it comes from is because he does look good handling the basketball. Now, there's been some times where he got a little loose in the lane when he was driving, things like that. But that's that's going to happen. It's When you have smaller guards – being 6'9", your dribble's higher. So smaller guards yeah. are going to get their hands in these in these dribble lanes uh, and driving lanes. That's going to happen. 
that's just basketball, yeah. right? Uh, but I like that. And then his motor. Um, he yeah. always looked yeah. engaged, and he always looked like he was playing hard. Um, maybe it didn't always, you know, equate to, you know, a good outcome. <laughs> he can help it. But, help I mean, it. he was he was playing hard. And so I, I yeah. like seeing that as well. Um, what did you see about Brandon Miller that you did not like? Some, some things where you were watching his game and he's like, man, he really has to work on this in order to, you know, produce at the NBA level in this in this way. Now, to me, it's interesting that you said you loved you loved his dribbling. Now, to me, he did show that he could do it, obviously, dropping Wimby. He had highlights with that. But to me, his ability to self-create was kind of the main thing to me that was a con, I guess you could say, um, because this team we saw – no true point guard, and none of these guys, most of these guys aren't even going to be on their roster, so it doesn't really matter. But, okay, there is nobody out there to feed you per se. What can you do to get yourself going? Now, in the later games, he did show, you know, he could do that. But in the first, I'd say about three games, his ability to self-create was almost non-existent. He was relying on catch and shoot and stuff like that to get himself going. Now, later in the next few games, he's starting to get downhill and stuff like that. But just the ability to self-create by himself, you know, there's always not going to be somebody there to feed you now. But LaMelo out there, you know, he's going to be in great hands. But just the ability to self-create, that was really it, though. I liked almost everything else that I saw. Yeah, when you play with LaMelo Ball, LaMelo Ball makes everybody better offensively. Now, defensively, he puts some people in some precarious situations here and now. Uh, But when it comes – to the offensive side of the ball, LaMelo is going to make everybody better. So I'm not easier. Yeah, yeah. It's so much easier. Like playing with LaMelo, if this Charlotte Hornets team, I know I'm kind of going off real quick. If this Charlotte Hornets team can just piece together some winning basketball, a winning record, make the playoffs, different things like that. I mean, some guys should want to come to Charlotte, want to play with them. It's just they have to see that this thing is real first. They have to see that there is a, you know, a recipe for success and that I'm going to go here and good things are going to happen. But once that kind of is laid, I'm thinking there should be some guys. Look, I'm going to come. I'm going to come and say this here first. Steph Curry is going to be a Charlotte Hornet. It might be for me. But like when he's like I take alert when he's like thirty eight, bro. Like he's at the end of the row. He's coming, bro. If we're if we're a good competitive team, he's coming, bro. Oh, I'm saying it no. here first. I'm so, saying it, bro. Not only are you bro. getting my hopes up with Steph Curry is going to come back to Charlotte and finish his career there, possibly. But to add to that, we're going to get end of his career, Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> he's still gonna be good like yeah. you know not everybody's gonna be like lebron at the end of their career but give me like a 37 38 year old curry you know the word dynasty is over he's gonna be like you know, like hey, at 37 38 home. he should be like even at 37 wow we're going way off right here i love it though um, <laughs> even at 37 or 38 years old steph curry should still be like great prime like prime patty mills Right? Yeah. Like yeah. something I mean, like how, that, right? How old is Steph Curry now? Like 30, 
33? I think he's yeah, 33. 33, 34. So, I mean, yeah. five more years, he's going to, he shouldn't be too bad. He still give us 18 and some threes. That's all we need. If we're already <laughs> oh, good. If we're already good. Get, give, give me 38 year old Steph who's prime, uh, Patty Mills. I'll take it. I'll take it. Let's, let's I'll do take it. That. Why not? Um, oh man, I, I like that. <laughs> Back to Miller though. Heard it here first. Yep. Yes. Heard it here first. It's, it, it's going out on the waves in the morning. You all will be hearing this live. We recorded this tonight. Um, or not, you will not be hearing this live. You'll be hearing this tomorrow. Um, but going back to Miller, that was my biggest area of concern as well. I have a couple. Um, but my biggest area of concern was to self-create when no one else was creating. So you had a lot of you had a lot of Charlotte Hornets fans, media, people who cover the Hornets, different things like that, harping on the organization because they did not bring in a true point guard. But the counter to that is you bring in a guy who is a better point guard per se with maybe some NBA years under his belt, overseas, different things like that, can really get you into sets and run an offense, right? If you do that, you're taking minutes away from Nick Smith Jr., James Booknight, Bryce McGowan's. Summer League is an experimental time, and so I did not want to see the Charlotte Hornets take minutes away from those guys. And so, like, I actually understand – the organization not bringing in like a true point guard. Like, see what you got. See, see if Nick Smith Jr. can run point. See if yeah. Bryce McGowan's can give you spot point guard minutes. Now, I think he answered that. He can't. I think and, everybody answered that they can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's pretty, but at least those questions were answered now, right? Because I mean, we're in we're in search of a backup point guard. If Nick Smith Jr. came in and he really was that top five recruit that he was prior to this season, before the injuries, before trying to play through the injuries, you know, if he was really the steal of the draft and he's a top five talent, but we got him at 27, if he's ready to run point, let's see. We kind of saw that he's not, all right? Especially at this point. he's a two. Yeah, he's a two. All of those guys are twos, right? All of those guys are twos. And that's fine. So, but I didn't want guys who are in the mix for minutes with the Charlotte Hornets to not see minutes because some guy was just coming in here that was never going to have a chance of actually making the roster to run point. Yeah. Like, I didn't want that. But, so you have Miller. The lack of self-creation, yeah, that was a worry for me. Um, or Not a worry, because he's young, LaMelo's going to find him, different things like that. Like, I'm not overly concerned. But when you have the number two overall pick, you want him to look like he's the number two overall pick. And too many times, yeah. his first step was slow. Uh, he couldn't get by his guy. And then even if he got shoulder to shoulder, they used their strength to get position back on him as yeah. he was driving. And so – his self-creation when nobody was creating for him, and then his inability for much of Summer League not to be able to create for himself, I thought that was a concern. Um, another area, obviously, strength. We're not <laughs> – that's not a new take. Uh, he's got a bulk. 
Uh, that yeah. he needs, he needs. I mean, some calories. He needs some yeah, protein. He about ten pounds of muscle for sure. Yeah, and you know, so that's another aspect. And then I know you mentioned this already um, that you liked his defense. I actually came away more concerned about his defense because we were told by Mitch Kupchak that he sees Brandon Miller being able to guard multiple positions. And he said, at some point in his career, I see him being able to guard four positions. Now, I always hate when people say that anyways, because there's like nobody in the league who can guard four positions. Maybe, yeah. maybe Giannis can stay with a shooting guard, a small forward, a point guard. And most centers, I guess you could say, but Giannis can't stay with the best point guards in the league even. And he's one of the best defenders. And so when you start saying, oh, can guard one through five, there are bare, like, there's like two guys league-wide who can like guard yeah. one through five. And so when you make the comment, you they can guard one through four or two through four or one through three or whatever the comment is, I feel like that's always like setting guys up. And I guess I kind of got set up with that comment myself. Cause I was like, okay, like if he can do that right now, I only see Brandon Miller being able to guard one position and that one position that he's going to have to guard contains some of the best players across the league. And that's small forward because yeah. I don't believe he's quick enough to stay with guards, even with shooting guards. And he's not strong enough to stay with power forwards. And so I right now I only see him being able to guard one position. Maybe in certain matchups and different things like that, he can go on and guard a guy like Jermichael Green, who plays power forward, but he's not going to bully you down low. He's going to try to space the floor uh, and sh and sh you know shoot threes, hit threes. So every once in a while there'll be those matchups where I think that he can go guard the four, right? Or maybe he can guard the two that doesn't create for themselves, doesn't look to drive. They're just spot-up shooter, right? But for the most part, I only see him really being able to stay with small forwards. And then when you get into the discussion of small forwards, you're talking LeBron James, Jason Tatum. That's your top tier, right? Your yeah. middle tier, you have Andrew Wiggins and Chris Middleton. Really good basketball players, all-stars, right? And then you even go to your low-tier starting uh, – small forward, and you're talking Keldon Johnson of the Spurs. You're talking Cam Johnson of the Brooklyn Nets. Those are still pretty good players. Pretty good I, think player, he, yeah. I think he can stay with Cam because Cam's more of a spot-up shooter, right? Um, he showed the ability to put it on the deck a little bit too here in recent years. Keldon Johnson's beefy, all right? I mean, yeah. he's not he's not yeah. lighting it up from, from deep, but he's a big boy. And so Brandon Miller struggled against uh, Champigny of the Spurs. He was guarding him for much of the night in that first game. Champigny got the best of him. Uh, Santos for the Spurs uh, – for not for the Spurs, for the Warriors. That's That guy's not even making, you know, the senior Warriors team. That's a G League guy at best, right? And so he struggled, you know, matching up against him because he had him on strength. And so I'm a little more concerned about his defense than what, you know, you alluded to. 
And I guess that's probably because I I never what saw him being able. Yeah. Was it the fouls? No, no, no. Fouls really didn't bother me because he corrected that, right? He yeah. self-corrected yeah, we saw that. that at the end. Yeah. Because the first two games, yeah, he fouled a ton. But then over the next two, he was he never fine. had more than five. He yeah. wasn't. He, he wasn't great. Yeah, yeah, he was fine. So I'm really the fouls really didn't concern me. It's actually in the one v one situations, just manning up. He got back cut a few times. He was ball watching, and he got back cut by. Uh, I know Champagny Santos back cut him. Uh, Barlow 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 back cut him. You're right. That's another one. So there was a few times where he was ball watching, got back cut. There are a few times where he was in a 1v1 situation and he just got took to the rim. And so I am more concerned about his defense than what I was hoping for at the beginning of summer league. And so um, those would be my big concerns. I'm pretty much three and three. I have some positives um, that I have about him. And then I have some, you know, things that I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more shaky on as well. Yeah, I mean, I think as a rookie in summer league, you know, we were always going to come away with a few pros and cons. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a 20-year-old getting his first taste of NBA basketball. Even Wimby, we saw, you know, played bad his first game, bust this, bust that. So, I mean, it, it comes with the territory. But, I mean, overall, would you say they were more positive than negatives? Or do you feel like, you know, the negatives outweigh the positives? Um, right now, I, that, that's a great question. Uh, right now I would say equal. I, I would say that I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm equal on it because what you want, right. When you draft at number two, we were told for the entire month leading up to the draft. Once we found out that the Charlotte Hornets were selecting number two overall. We were sold that the Charlotte Hornets were getting a franchise-changing player no matter what, whether it was Scoot Henderson or it was Brandon Miller. It didn't matter. And so when you come in and you're playing against fellow draftees, undrafted free agents, guys who didn't even get drafted, and then guys who were just fighting for G League spots for the for and to a large degree, you want your guy to – look like he's the number two overall pick in the in the draft, right? And there were there were numerous moments where I couldn't tell. That was that okay. yeah, the first two games I, I I tweeted that several times. Like it doesn't seem like there was a number two overall pick on the floor. And I exactly. felt the same way with Kai and Book. It doesn't seem like there's three year vets out here on the floor watching them. So I, I know exactly exactly how you feel because that's exactly how I felt at times. Yeah, and I I think that's it. And it's not because he didn't have to score 30. I loved that he was just making these simple passes. Like, that translates. That shows me that he understands. This guy's coming out on me. My guy's wide open. He knows how to play in the system. Yeah, so, like, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about his handle. I actually came away even more impressed by his handle. And not because he dropped Wimby, not because he had the highlight moment, but just overall – he would get the rebound and he's bringing it down the floor. He's going, yeah, yeah. In transition, right? it's he's not great in transition. It's not Mason Plumley where Br- Mason Plumley's bringing it down the floor <laughs> and everybody's, what's going to happen? Stop. Either something, Stop. Either, either something amazing is about to happen or a turnover is about to ensue. One turnover of the turnover because he's trying to be prime Magic Johnson. But, that's right. So. I mean, 
So I, it was never one of those things where he's bringing up the, like the ball up the floor and I'm like, oh no, what's Brandon Miller about to do? No, like I felt I, I come away more comfortable in that area. I'm more uncomfortable defensively because we were sold that it, by drafting Brandon Miller, you are getting maybe outside of outside of PJ Washington, you would be bringing in your best perimeter defender. And like day one that Brandon Miller's coming in, like he's a plus defender and he's going to be that guy that can develop that part of his game. But even coming in, like that's who he will be. And I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that aspect of his game during summer league. I will give him the benefit of the doubt because, like I said earlier, he was playing out of position. He played the four almost the whole summer league. Sure. We didn't, we didn't see him at the two defending guys that – I mean, he's a 6'9 shooting guard, or small forward, however you view him. So he might be guarding a 6'5 guy, 6'6 six, six guy, and we might get to see that defensive ability at the two or the three. So I will give him the benefit of the doubt just because he was playing out of position where it's like his deficiencies and strength were just – that much more highlighted because, I mean, he's playing the four, which we know he's not going to be doing. No, Even that, though Miles and P.J. are both shorter than him. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. But Miles and P.J. are beefy. Yeah, like, they're 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 solid. They're they are. Solid. They they have the shoulders. Uh, I mean, yeah, they're 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 stockier, right? Like yeah, they got that. They have that build to where Brandon Miller's just lean, and so. um yeah, I, I I think that was that's where I come away in the middle because there were there were some positives and then there were some things that you know I'm I'm a little bit more concerned about just by watching him like forget who's around you like I wanted him to be able to self create better I I wanted that first step to be quicker and and looking like oh yeah, this a is more explosive. Yeah. A little bit more explosive. Now, I mean, he showed plenty of explosiveness in that, yeah. in that highlight dunk that he threw down. Um, he came down the lane again against the Blazers. Uh, he had a lot of a lot of dunks. They transitioned like when he gets going downhill. Like yes, once he was going, it was fine. And like that first step, that off of that dunk against the Blazers, where he he's going left and then he just rises and throws it down. The defender bit on his on his dribble, right? Yep. The defender bit on his dribble, and then that gave him the space. And so it wasn't – which, I mean, that's part of basketball, right? But, yeah, I, I want to see him be able to create for himself better, which he, he'll have time to do that because he's going to have LaMelo Ball doing that for him. Yeah. So that's another thing where, you know, it's like, eh, but – with the number two overall pick, would have liked to see that aspect more translatable now instead of having to do this, oh, we're going to have to wait two, three years for that part of his game to develop. Like, eh. The good thing, at any given moment, he's probably going to be, at best, the third scoring option on the on the court. Yeah. Yeah. Right I now. mean – you talking about this season? Yeah, this, yeah, this season. season. I mean, we're looking at Lamelo. I would say I'll permit fourth, really. Lamelo, Terry, Miles. Those are. I mean, those are all twenty point per game scores. And then really, and then, you got Brandon fourth. And then you put a healthy Gordon Hayward in there. 
Yeah, so and it's like no matter you know, what your thoughts are on Gordon Hayward, I mean, I I think I, him healthy. He's a he's a decent, respectable player, and people just hate him. I don't have a problem with him. He's actually healthy on the floor. It's just he's he's well, no, yeah, that. nobody does. Nobody has a problem when he's well. Some people still have a problem with him when he's healthy, but for the most it's part, of the contract. Yeah, it's it's because it's not of the Batum. Coach. He's not Batum. No, he's not if, Batum though. If he was making fifteen mil a year, people wouldn't wouldn't be saying yeah. the things that they say. But he's making double that, so it is what it is. Um, but yeah, at any given point on the floor, like he's going to be playing with Lamelo and Miles, or he'll be playing with Terry and Gordon Hayward, or he'll be with Lamelo and Gordon Hayward. Or he'll be with Terry and Miles Bridges, you know, like whatever the the combinations are. If he can just knock down the open three, he's gonna excel. That's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing. If he's because he's going to have good looks all season long. It's just is he going to knock down the shots? Because that was another thing when I was watching his tape and I was assessing coming into the draft. I actually viewed him as more of a streaky shooter than an elite shooter. So a lot of people said, oh, Brandon Miller's an elite shooter coming out of college. 40%, all of this, right? Well, down the stretch, SEC tournament and NCAA yeah, yeah, tournament. His turn, yeah, his, yeah, his tournament run, it wasn't impressive. But he was fighting through injuries. So I like, I'll give him a bit of a doubt in certain yep. situations. But, I mean, we did see a drop-off. You can't ignore it. You can't. I mean, if you're out there, you're out there. If you're out there on the floor, you're open to ridicule it. If you're too hurt to play, don't play. If you're going to play that. And like so, I mean, in the NBA, more physical game, he's going to have to deal with nagging, not injuries, but, you know, there's going to be bruises. There's going to be. Yeah, it gets to the certain point of year. Everybody's hurt. Everybody's playing through something. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. So, um, Hopefully he can hit those shots, and I think that that'll be the biggest value he adds and pumps into the team yep. is hitting those open shots. Um, a lot of low spots, okay, a lot of low spots. But what bright spots did you see from others that you want to highlight? Um, first thing I want to highlight, obviously, Nick Smith Jr. We saw the big game that he had the other night. So that that would be my first thing. And I will say this, he did show some ability to play make. In almost every game, he had a better assist turnover ratio, had around four assists. But, you know, okay, he showed that he could potentially become the backup point guard if that is the best way for him to get onto the floor. So, I mean, I like that, but obviously just his scoring. Um, James Naji, at 18 years old, he showed tremendous upside. I mean, he's seven foot, 250 pounds of pure muscle. His motor, his rebounding, and honestly, his basketball IQ, it impressed me. He doesn't try to score. He doesn't try to do too much. I like Najee because he does what he's good at. He sets the screens. He's in the right spot, and he plays his heart out on the defensive end. So I like that. And also, you know, just Kai's big moments, the highlights that he produces that just makes your jaw drop, um, that would have to be one of my bright spots. Just, you know, seeing NBA Twitter, NBA Twitter, like posting Bleacher Report, all that posting our players. It makes you feel good. When you turn on Sports Center, you see a Hornets jersey doing something good. It makes Dunk it, it all over good. Wimby, baby. Yeah, it makes you feel good, bro. For all of the uh discussion we just had about 
maybe there being a little concern about Brandon Miller's self-creation. There is none with Nick Smith Jr. <laughs> there, that that guy can self-create now, dog. today. He's like so dog. Yeah. Sometimes he self-creates too much, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Like that. That's I gonna mean, be. Where I think that comes with any, it out. with any young player that's a good talented ISO score. The over dribbling can always it's always almost there. Like you you try to make something out of nothing too much to the point where sometimes there's just nothing. There's just nothing there. He, look, I'm going to throw this at you. Nick Smith Jr. gives me Terry Rozier vibes. That that no. like that's what he gives me because Terry likes to dribble the air out of the ball, but he's has a good handle. He gets to his spots. He likes the mid-range. He can hit the open three. He's giving me, like, mini Terry Rozier vibes. Mini Terry Rozier. Now, see, like, I know people are throwing out a lot of comparisons for Nick Smith Jr. over the last week or so. The comparison I liked the most to me was kind of Tyrus Maxey. That was kind of my favorite, my favorite comparison because, to me, he doesn't over-dribble too much to the point where it's like, this guy's a ball. He's just not a natural point guard. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, to me, the ability to free up his own shot, he did show some playmaking. I think Tyrese Maxey, I think he's somebody who can come off the bench um, and give you, I'm not going to say 20 points a game, but I think realistically this year, come off the bench, give you somewhere around 11, 14, something like that in that little oh, range. Man. If Nick, Smith can give, if Nick Smith Jr. could come off the bench and give you 11, I will take that right now. That would be that would be amazing. I don't think it's, it's just, going to happen. We'll get to uh, that. Yeah, in yeah moment, we're going to have to talk about the 10-minute rotation because where do you view Cody Martin? How do you – you know, we'll, we'll talk about that later on. But no, if Nick you. Smith Jr. can crack this rotation and give you double figures, that's great. Even if it's just 10, even 9, great. All right. There were – <laughs> there of were fun. hundreds of lows. <laughs> what were the lowest of the lows, though? Like, I don't want, I don't want niceties here. I don't want, yeah, but like, benefit of the doubt, like all that prior, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with. Like, that's good. Like, yeah, I wanted that. that. Cool. Like, you yeah, needed we, that. We talked, like, we talked, we talked the Hornets up because we're Hornets channels. We do what we're supposed to do. That's right. Time for the reality. <laughs> time for the like reality. all the nuance. We're done with the nuance right now. What were the lowest of the lows during the summer league? The lowest, the lowest of the lows was this fucking first quarter where you where you allow eighteen to zero start and go over fourteen. You go over two free throw line. You just missed everything you could possibly miss and five point first quarter. Like the fact we just always find a way to just get embarrassed, and that's what irks me so bad just getting embarrassed all the fucking time is is so annoying um so this right here is the lowest spot this is a bleak. this was disgusting i expect this game to be nasty as soon as brandon miller was announced out but this was pathetic um something else i mean like i talked about earlier just no ball movement every man for himself it was disgusting basketball um and honestly you can't Kind of blame on the coaching. The coaching looks terrible. I didn't think it was possible to be worse than um, what's his name, Surin Camp, mm-hmm. last year. This coach is worse. This is terrible, terrible coaching. Um, I mean, so many different ways that you could ridicule it, but that's really just almost everything about it was bad. Like we're trying to dig and find the bright spots. Everything was bad. Everything. There was too many things today. <laughs> too many things. Everything. It was disgusting. It's been disgusting, honestly. I'm ready for it to be over. It's just the fact that no Hornets basketball until, what, 
September, October. Yep. It's ugly. I hate that. But this, yeah, I want this to be over. I'm ready for preseason because this is disgusting. I don't want to watch summer league anymore. This is nasty. So lowest of the lows, field goal percentage, right? <laughs> like, field, oh yeah. yeah I mean, it just like like yeah. we could just sum it up. Uh, field goal percentage that was pretty low. Um, yeah, it was a, it was rough. What game? What game was it? The Warriors or the Lakers? What we shot twenty one percent? No, twenty five percent from three. And 31% from the field versus the Lakers. Shit mm-hmm. was disgusting. <laughs> 73 yeah. points. Oh, yeah. my God. Disgusting. Maybe, maybe it was 75. And almost, and almost gave up 100. They had like 90-something. In 10-minute quarters, yeah. Um, yeah, man, it just – it was rough all the way around. And like I said earlier <laughs> – you can't have it both ways all the time. Like, there's a lot of other people that are saying, bro, like, I've made some comments, just some observations. I'm not killing any players. I'm not over here roasting them and saying that th- that Brandon Miller's a bust. I'm not over here saying, you know, Nick Smith Jr. isn't NBA ready. I'm not saying any of those things. Just making observations when you're watching, right? Um, But you have people saying, bro, quit taking Summer League too serious. Maybe the Charlotte Hornets should start taking summer league more serious. Like maybe that, maybe I think that's my hot take. My hot take is maybe, maybe the fans. Yeah. Maybe we can just watch and just kind of see and take it in and maybe draw a couple conclusions or a couple points, but the Charlotte Hornets, those guys, the front office, the coaching staff, the players, Everybody, maybe you guys need to start taking it pretty serious. Taking it more serious, bro. Because this, bro, you already know who's going to be on the team every single year. It's going to be Kobe Simmons. Somehow he's on it every year. Xavier Sneed somehow is on it every year. Doesn't matter what the fuck they do. There's always going to be an honorary UNC player or two that make the roster. <laughs> yeah, oh, those, those, yeah. Now he actually played decent tonight. Eight and eight for him. And he actually made some threes. Two for three. Okay. If Leaky could ever obtain make the open shot, he can make a roster. Like the defense is there, man. It's just he's he's got make the shot. Just make the wide open corner. The wide open corner corner three. All you have to do. PJ Tucker, man, sit in the corner, hit a three. That's all you have to do offensively. Give me what you got on defense because we need that. Like you can make a roster. But about him being on a two, I don't want to get too unfair. How do you feel about him being on two way? Because I was, he was like the first player that we signed to a two way on draft night immediately. Like, I don't know if we can rescind that at this point. I think we still can, but how do you feel about that? I'm okay with it because he is, he has elite defensive qualities. I mean, he locked Brandon Miller down in the infamous four overtime Carolina Alabama game. I mean, he shut Brandon yeah. Miller down. Um, he he has it defensively. It's just he has nothing for you offensively. Moving to the rotation talks. Charlotte Hornets, 10-man rotation. If the season were to start today, who is it? Man, all right, so – First, I mean, at point guard, I'm going to go through starters. Melo, Terry. Now, I do expect Gordon to start. 
I think Miller's going to be starting by the All-Star break. But I'm going to say Gordon from day one. Miles at the four, Mark at the five. Now, we know Miles is going to miss the first 10 games, but I'm just talking, you know, after I think yeah. Miles is going to start. Backup point guard is the question mark. I guess you have to pencil in Tail Maladon or Nick Smith Jr. Then the shooting guard, Cody Martin, backup small forward, Brandon Miller, power forward, PJ, center Nick. That, that would be the 10 for me. Um, now it's just a preference of Tail Maladon, or do you try to get Nick Smith Jr. on the floor because you feel like he's just too talented to not be on the floor? So that's kind of it. But I would like I would like to hear yours though. So, oh, they just announced that uh, the Hornets will play their final summer league game on Saturday at eleven thirty against the Minnesota Timberwolves because they get their consolation game. So eleven thirty p.m. or a.m. a.m. eleven. Okay, I'm about to say that's so late. Now look, oh, that's Pacific time. That's Pacific time. Okay. So it's going to be two thirty Eastern for the rest of us. One thirty for some other Hornets fans, and so on and so forth. Right. So, yeah, two thirty p.m. game on Saturday against me. I just, I just, I just got it now. I got a notification now. All right, back to it. Rotation. Had to get there. More summer league talk. Had to, just had to inject that real quick. You got it live. We saw it live, folks. Um, who everyone is listening to this the day after, and we we'll already know this. Um, <laughs> if Teo Maladon is not brought back, all right. Let's just say that because I'm going to I'm going to work under the assumption that PJ Washington comes back to Charlotte. On yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I was, I was already. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to work on that assumption just like you did, but I'm going to work under the assumption that Teo Maladon is not brought back. Now you see, we made him the qualifying offer though, so he. I, I did. Mean, I he, did. It is. It is two way though, so he's technically still two way. So he's mm-hmm. still in Greensboro. If that happens, the Charlotte Hornets ten man rotation moves to a nine man rotation, and in my opinion. And at that point, now, I do believe the Charlotte Hornets are going to bring somebody in. It'll be Teo, or uh, there's been talks about John Wall uh, working out for teams in Vegas. There's been reports yeah, and, uh, about and Isaiah, Thomas. Isaiah Thomas working out for teams in Las Vegas. I, I want Ayo to still move. That's, that's who I want. He's I know, young, right? Ayo is still out there. And the Bulls are up against the tax, I believe. And so if yeah. you hit, we can steal them. Yeah, there's a possibility that the Bulls say, you know what, we just we don't want to go into the tax for AO. They already paid Kobe White, so I mean they already chose basically. Yeah, pretty much. And so there are some options out there for the Hornets that could still look good. Now, if Isaiah's brought Isaiah Thomas is brought to Charlotte, that's a locker room guy. I don't foresee him being in the 10-man rotation whatsoever. I don't. Spot minutes if there are injuries, right? But that's about it. If John Wall comes in, I think he can give you backup point guard duty play. Now, is he going to offer the leadership that Isaiah Thomas is? At this point, I think we can say no just based off of the young guys in Charlotte loved Isaiah Thomas. I mean, you guys – I was surprised we let him go. I really was. 
I was too, especially after the summer that we had last season, right? Last year's summer on the back of all the all of the Miles Bridges stuff and then James Book night, and it was just it, – it, it looked like a spiral within the locker room on the team. As much outspoken adoration that was stated from LaMelo and PJ, Miles – Everybody spoke highly of Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. So – but if he comes in, he's a locker room guy. He's going to be Udonis Haslam. That's what Isaiah Thomas. But he can still he can still play. Like he wasn't. He was pretty good for us. He wasn't that much of a defensive liability. No, 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 no. So that's look, better to be. But he is two years removed from that, though. He is five nine. He is. <laughs> he's two years removed from that at five nine, and he's just wanting to be on a team. I think at this point he wants to mentor. He's he's not coming in trying to be anything that he knows that he can't be at this stage. Yeah. And so I would love to bring IT in on a Haslam-type deal, spot man, a, a little bit better than Haslam, right? Like he yeah. can still shoot. He can, he can, he can contribute if it comes down to it. If, if he you had to. really got in a you know tough situation. But anyways, I know that was a lot of conversation – for not giving you my 10-man rotation. So here it is. LaMelo Ball, mm-hmm. Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, Mark Williams. Those right, would be so your same, starting same, five. Same, yeah, same starter five. Yeah, okay. If you want to load manage semi, watch his minutes. I'll say watch his minutes on Gordon Hayward. You move Miles to the three, you start PJ at the four. That's your other scenario. I think that they're it like it's cross connected. It doesn't matter. But those yeah. those I six think Miles players, is better at the three. I think Miles is better at the three anyway. I do too. I would rather have Miles at the three. And then at that point, off of the bench, okay, off of the bench, you have question mark at point guard, right? who I think will be filled at some point. I mean, the Hornets brought Dennis Smith Jr. in, what, a couple weeks before the season started? Yeah, I don't even understand why we let him go because the Nets got him for the vet minimum, $2 million. I I don't get it. He did shoot 21% from three, but outside of that, one of the best defenders in the league, and, I mean, he gave you eight and five off the bench. Hometown guy, still 24, 25. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. At the end of the day – he shot 21%. So I really yeah, can't fault the organization really too much because he's going to mess up your spacing on a team offensively. Like if Brandon Miller's coming in and the most transferable attribute that he can give this team today is shooting and you're running him next to Dennis Smith Jr., they're sagging off of him, daring him to shoot it. And then that means that your rookie's not getting the confidence and the looks that he needs. And so I get it at the end of the day. I mean, if somebody decides to not re-sign a 21% three-point shooter, I get it. Although, I still would have done it. I still would have brought him two million. Like, at first, I thought the Nets might have gave him like eight, ten, maybe the whole MLE. Yeah. Uh, But when when the numbers came out, two million, like, I mean, two million – yeah. We don't really have an answer right now. so I was surprised he even bid on it that early because it happened day one. I, yeah. You know, but maybe maybe there wasn't a lot out there for him. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but question mark point guard, I do think that it will be filled at some point and we'll know who that is and it'll be clear. 
uh, Brandon Miller. Okay. And then, or Cody Martin, my fault. Cody Martin at the two, Brandon Miller at the three, Gordon Hayward or P.J. Washington, and then Nick Richards. Because what you have on that second unit, if you have Gordon Hayward move to a bench roll, okay, which I expect a, at some point this year. As a sixth man option, essentially. That is a playmaker on the floor. Like Gordon Hayward can create for others. Like he is a yeah. good passer. And so and then Miller out there, the ball be moving. Yeah. So if you're limiting your your minutes for your aging veteran player that is oft hurt, at that point. You can bring him off the bench. You can play PJ and Miles most of the minutes, but then still give Gordon 25, 24, 25 minutes a night and kind of lead that second unit to where even if you didn't have a point guard, yeah, like you want a guy who can bring the ball up the floor, sure. There are a lot of guys who can bring the ball up the floor, but Gordon can get you into his into the sets. Yeah. Like he can yeah. start the offense. And then at that point, if you bring you bring in your backup point guard, you have Gordon Hayward on the floor, and then you have Brandon Miller with his spacing. I think the second unit looks pretty good because PJ. I think in in that scenario, this is where it's going to be tough for Cliff. Clifford is going to have to find out the pieces that work best with each other because if you throw out random point guard, Cody Martin, Brandon Miller. P.J. Washington, Nick Richards, that is going to be a disaster. I think that's something that Barreco used to do. He used to just throw shit out, and it's like, bro, this doesn't even go together, dude. This doesn't even go together at all. The three-guard lineup, she's like, oh, my God. Yeah, they used to kill me doing that shit. Yeah, and, I mean, there was one point where Cody Martin was playing the four at points, and and it was like, like, what are we doing? Like, yeah, he's a good defender, but he ain't that good. Like, come on. Yeah. Um. But I think that's where you're going to see Gordon take the step back and assume that role kind of with leading that second unit, that Manu Ginobili type thing. And if he's hot and if he's feeling it late in games, then you go with Gordon instead of PJ, right? And in Miles Bridges' absence, then you still you run Gordon with PJ, right? So I think that's where it comes down to. Um, but I will feel so much better about the second unit once we know exactly who that backup point guard's going to be. And once we see Gordon Hayward moving to that back to that second unit. Yeah, ben, ben. So you so you, you know, here's the thing. Here, let, let me say this. Let me say this. If the Charlotte Hornets fully lean into Gordon Hayward coming off the bench. You have your sixth man of the year in the NBA. You know, I, you know, I felt like if that, he stays healthy, if he's thing. he's got to stay healthy, of course. Like we, I shouldn't have yeah. to caveat that, right? Obviously, yeah. if, if Gordon healthy. Hayward plays, I don't know with the, with the new CBA and all of their, you have to play X amount of games. Gordon Hayward will miss that. So now, see, I don't like for certain awards. That wasn't included. Like rookie of the year wasn't included in the sixty-five games, and I don't think six man of the year was included in sixty-five games. I don't think it was rookie of the year definitely isn't, but I don't think six man was. It's weird for some reason they didn't include. Well, I because know it's all some, NBA MVP, 
um, think most improved. I don't know. Yeah. They were weird with it. Well, it's because some of those have financial, you know, stipulations attached to them, like yeah. like your max contracts and different things like that. So, you know, attaching that, I don't. I'm not sure about that either. But I will say this: Gordon Hayward will be in the conversation for six man of the year. If the Charlotte Hornets fully lean into bringing him off the bench in a Manu Ginobili style setting. Now, see, I felt the exact same way about Gordon possibly coming off the bench or Terry coming off the bench. Now, theoretically, I feel like long-term, like to keep this core, you know, if you keep this core together long-term to maximize the talent, Brandon Miller, gonna have to be at the two he's gonna have to be that Paul Jordan he's gonna have to be that two then you got Melo Brandon Miles at the three PJ at the four Mark at the five like that's maximizing your talent now I don't see that happen this year I don't know if that happened this year and with Terry just coming off the best year of his career I don't know if he's gonna be somebody who's open to even coming off the bench this is purely theoretical but Terry's year off the bench he's a six man of the year he instantly turns to a Jordan Clarkson type of player where he's coming off the bench, giving you high teens, low 20s. I don't think his numbers would really be that impacted, truly. Because he he has that green light on the bench to do whatever. And he could be potentially on the bench with Gordon. Like, him and, you know, could be come off the bench. If the youth movement plays well enough to kind of start taking the keys over. Not necessarily this season, but just moving forward, even though I know this is Gordon's last year. But, you know, if we don't trade Terry, I feel like that's what's coming eventually. Yeah, I think offensively, Terry compliments Lamelo really well because he can shoot it right. If he can be, if he can be that twenty twenty one twenty two Terry, where he shot what I think it was forty four percent on catch and shoot three, something crazy, unreal. It was something crazy. It was now, last You're right. year. You're in the right ballpark. Last year, yeah, last year it was ugly. It was just ugly all around season, and I and I can scrap last season for what it yeah. was. He was being but asked it, to do too much last season, yeah. right? I think we can yeah. all agree on that. Yeah, it was it was just it was just ugly last year. He, at some points, he was the only healthy person from our rotation the year before out there. I mean, Cody Barr was hurt, Miles is gone, Melo hurt, Gordon at times hurt. I mean, it was ugly. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty ugly much the only person sure. that pretty much the only person that did not get hurt is PJ. Yeah, he's, I think he played seventy three. I think he played seventy three yeah. games, seventy two, mm-hmm. seventy one, somewhere in there. He was really now, the only guy that did not miss any time whatsoever. Yeah. Now look, I got a question for you. So we still have the money. We still have the twelve million dollar mid level exception. We still have the four and a half million um, biannual. What do you think we should do with that? Um, I mean, because. Theoretically, you could possibly spend that MLE on like two players, like six million, six million. Yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about bringing Kelly Oubre back? <laughs> we can afford it. Here's the thing. This is what I th- the Hornets had this last season as well. They didn't use it, right? The Hornets had this last season, did not use it because you don't have to use it. You can hold it until you find a player that you want to pay the MLE and use your exception for. Because as long as the player who receives the exception is on your roster, you d- you do not have access to another exception. Yeah, you see unless you trade. 
yeah. unless you trade or that player on the exception is no longer rostered, right? And so the Hornets sat pat last offseason on their exception because I don't they think they can do that this year. Just and, off of how Mitch was talking, oh, we need the veteran, da da da. I don't think we should do that. I don't think we can do that personally. That, that's the thing. So it looks hypocritical to me if you don't. Well, if <laughs> if we came into the offseason and Mitch said we are going to prioritize our free agents that we have control over, our restricted free agents, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, and Teo Maladon. And then we are also going to seek to bring in a veteran presence within the locker room that also can contribute on the floor. If we make it through all of free agency and the best thing we did was bring back Miles Bridges and PJ Washington on qualifying offers, not long-term deals, and we didn't have them, then we failed this. I, I, I think it's safe to say that the Charlotte Hornets did not complete what they set out to do and that this summer was a failure at that point. Yeah, for sure. Like with Miles, I understand. First off, he signed a clutch sport. So we all know Rich Paul, he's trying to get No, no, no I'm fine with Miles. So I'm with the Miles thing, I was cool with the one-year prove a deal for both sides. But with P.J., you can't let P.J. sign the one year. You can't, especially you missed out on Grant Williams, who apparently we wanted. That could have been seen as possibly the P.J. replacement. Okay, well, now that's off the table. You have to sign P.J., and you have to lock him up for years because that backup four spot, it's still you know going to be a hold there unless we believe in J.T. Thor. And, I mean, with what we just talked about, neither one of us put him in, in the rotation. No. So, Not- if you – if this so team is serious like, about winning and if this team seriously wants to make a seven game series and be a part of the actual playoffs, we need PJ. Then no, like you have to like PJ will be a crucial part of that that cock. And I feel like with PJ, you have to get him signed for multiple years just in case the Miles walks next year. Miles the unrestricted free agent next year. Now, I do truly believe he wants to be in Charlotte, but if he dips, you can't lose Miles and PJ because then there's a big gaping hole at that four. Yeah. You can't allow that to happen. You especially, have to sign PJ. Especially for nothing. Like, you can't. Yeah. Like, you, you don't want to lose them, and then you definitely do not want to lose them for nothing. PJ, I, um, unless the Charlotte Hornets are lowballing him, I think this is a dangerous year for PJ to bet on himself by taking. Okay, the I did. I, okay, that's the, that's where I saw that tweet, and I agree with you because you look at his numbers with Miles on the team. He's in that twelve point per game range. This uh-huh. year was that could have been considered an aberration. Miles is gone. You're out there getting the heavy minutes. You're out there playing on a sorry ass team. Hate to say like that, but it was this year. So you know, if last year was possibly the best year that he could possibly have. I mean, it's what, 16 points. It's like, how much is that worth considering we're going to expect his stats to go down next year with Miles back? And now you've got a center like Mark Williams. We're expecting him to have, what, around 12 points a game, something like that. And you got Brandon Miller come off the bench. He's going to be scoring. How many points is P.J. really going to average? What do we – what do you think we should pay him per year? To me, 
16 to 18 million, I would have been fine. I don't think he's a 20 million point per game player. I mean, 20 million a year player. 16, 18, somewhere in that range. Let's get it done. But what what what's the number for you? That's where I'm at. I'm I, I'm same spot. If he's asking twenty plus, I get the Hornets sitting. But if the Hornets are especially offering, with the market, nobody signed him. Yeah, like like if the Hornets are offering sixteen and he's like holding strong at no, I think that's a poor move by him. I think that he's not receiving good advice or you know, good consultation from the people that he's talking to, his agent and, you know, people close to him. And so I think if that's the case, he's making a mistake. If the Hornets are trying to offer him the MLE, then I understand. I would be like – because I think PJ, if he stays healthy and on what I presume to be a much better Charlotte Hornets – team that will be in the mix for a playoff position if they stay healthy, of course. I think P.J. will show his value and can get 16 mil next summer, but I think that that's really where he's going to be at because there's just too many mouths to feed. And so yeah. if, if if that's where the Hornets are right now and P.J. keeps turning it down, I think that's a, I think that's a bad move by him. Because then you risk injury. Then you risk you don't play that well because you have all of these other pieces around you or you just go through a slump. Be back on the bench. Yeah, I mean, just physically. Numbers are going to be lower. Not starting because the word around the league will be, well, he didn't even start on the Charlotte Hornets who ended up not being a playoff team. Now, you know, that's not a scenario we want to eventually see. But, you know, that's – that's what some of the conversations could be around the league about him. Um, and so, you know, it it just – yeah, the P.J. – he has to be back. He'll be back this season, right? He will be back. Yeah, we know that, but it just – now, to me, I feel like the Harrison Barnes contract um, – who else has got it? Isaiah Stewart. There's a few comps now that we're seeing, but um, – Man, beat Stewart getting what he got? You got to be kidding me. Yeah, <laughs> that was, like that came out of nowhere. The uh, Rui, I believe, got a three-year, fifty-one million dollar deal, which comes yeah. out to seventeen mil per. PJ's better, in my opinion, than Rui, uh, because PJ was better than Rui when R- Rui in with the Wizards. PJ was better. Now, you stick Rui all of a sudden alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah, he's going to be better. Everybody, everybody looks great. <laughs> so would PJ. He'd be better, right? But I think that's I think that's the realm. I think 16, 17, 18 mil, I think that's it and I wish that they would get a deal done. I wish that the Hornets would come up if they're not at that number. I wish PJ would come down if he's not at that number, but the Hornets are. It's just you know, that's that's we, where he lands. We need for me. Him. We need, how many minutes are we at? Because it is something I want to talk about. How many minutes are we at? Oh, we're good. We're good. We're good. All right. Yeah, I, I really do hope he just he just gets in line, bro. Like we need him now. Look, where do you realistically one hundred percent healthy? We're going to go purely positive. In this hypothetical, where do you think the Hornets can finish seed-wise this year? 
everything goes as great as possible. Bucks are better. Celtics are better. Heat are better. Cavs are better. Who am I missing? I said Sixers, Sixers are better. Okay. The Knicks don't put fear into me. The Hawks do not put fear into me. Um, And none of the other teams in that area really put fear into me. So I think we see. Okay. We're on. Okay. We're on the same page. I think best case scenario. I mean, LaMelo stays healthy. He's 25, eight and 10, something like that. Eight and nine. Right. Yeah, LaMelo could be a triple double watch this year. I mean, he real. could like, I mean, it is, it is extremely possible. Now I, th- I think his rebounds will go down actually playing with Mark Williams. I think his rebounds will go down also with the injury concerns. I think he's going to try to stay out of the lane a little bit. So I think his rebound numbers will actually come down a little bit. I think. I hope he wears those freaking little ankle braces, bro. Yeah. Trey Young and Steph Curry wear. I hope he does. You and everybody else, right? Yeah. But LaMelo, I mean, he, he can be sniffing 25 and 10 this season for real. And then you have Miles back. If he can be anything close to what he was two years ago. If PJ, I mean, PJ's what, a 37% three-point shooter for his career? That's really good for a stretch four. Like, that's really good. We have the best defensive center that we've had in years since Dwight Howard, right? And so who can also score, who can get cleanup buckets, who's going to roll to the rim? I mean. And he can, look, Mark Williams can shoot the three. Now, Steve Clifford talked about it last year. He Steve said Clifford keeps shoot, saying it, right? I'm not letting him. He said, I'm not letting him shoot this year. That's going to have to wait till next year. That's okay. Yeah. So, you know, we might see Mark splash on threes this year and even be able to stretch the floor. And then I, I think if Gordon Hayward really, like I said earlier, if the Hornets really just lean into Gordon Hayward being the sixth man off the bench, lead that unit, run the offense through him. Let Cody Martin play defense. Let Brandon Miller hit threes. Uh, and obviously, minutes are going to be staggered too, right? Like, we want to see Brandon Miller play with LaMelo Ball. We yeah. want to see probably – we probably want to see a LaMelo Ball-Cody Martin back uh, backcourt just for the defensive purposes, right? At yeah. times. Not not large. Yeah, not extended periods. But, I mean, for short stints, you want Cody playing hard defense – and you know, hopefully being offered, being able to offer a respectable three at some point, right? That's all Cody has to do, bro. Just That's it. score Just every respectable. now and then. Because at one point he was like leading the NBA three point percentage, and that shit went down. Oh <laughs> yeah, like yeah, no, he had it. Fast. So it's just like, bro, if he can still three and D, give us like seven, eight points, fine. That's fine with me. But if he can't do that, if he's struggling to even score seven, eight. That's where I sort of look at somebody like maybe Nick Smith. Like, all right, man, maybe you're 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 getting your shot. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's fair. Uh, you know, Bryce McGowan's man. He was he had a horrible summer league. I'm more disappointed in Bryce McGowan's than I am James Booknight. And that what that was before tonight's um, performance. Like, throw Booknight's performance tonight out. I mean, we're not going to, but if we are, for the sake of this you know, what I'm about to say. It's because I was higher on Bryce McGowan's coming in than I 
am James Booknight. And then McGowan's just, he was just looking for his. It's almost like he sees the writing on the wall, like Nick Smith Jr. was brought in, Brandon Miller's drafted. You have these young guys who play the exact same position as me. He got, he got Is there a spot for me? And so it's almost like he went full tunnel vision for I've got to get mine. I'm not passing. I'm I, I, I'm not really looking to set up those guys. I'm looking to get me and mines, and that's it. But he had one assist tonight. Yeah, and book. Look, the thing about book, he started at point guard two or three times in summer league. Both games, zero assists as a starting point guard. Yeah, that's zero assists. He doesn't give a fuck about passing. Like even tonight, no, he, he played good offensively, scoring wise. But to start at point guard and have mm-hmm. zero assists, and even James Najee managed to have one assist, is like, bro, you could have passed one time. Man, J- James Najee's assist uh, was late in the game to Bryce McGowan's. It was like a little give and go. It was beautiful. It was a little slip yeah. pass. He was in the post, and he just right there, and Bryce McGowan's got it finished. It was nice. It was really like, nice. Bro, I don't, like Najee, he just he has the fundamentals. He has the fundamentals, the right thing. It's like hold up, we're back on summer league, right? We're, yeah, we're yeah, yeah, back yeah, on yeah, summer right, league. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can forget. Yeah, no, because I actually do want to get into what we're talking about. Where the Hornets can finish. So you named five teams. So that means you think we can be six. Realistically, just the. Uh, I I I think the Hornets sh- should finish somewhere between seven and ten because, like, look. So you the think Pistons. we're playing again? We're back playing bound. Yeah, we're probably back to the play-in, but hopefully, you know, we're a seven or an eight where we get a home one and we get two cracks at that thing, right? Yeah. Because you're probably going to have, I mean, the Knicks could be in that realm again, I guess, or the Hawks, I guess you could say. Um, I'm not worried about the Orlando Magic. I'm not worried about – Pistons, Wizards. Yeah, like a lot of people are high on those guys and or on those teams. But the Nets don't – I mean, we should we should oh. be better than the Nets. And the I Pacers, think. I feel like. The Hawks? I mean, the Hawks went 41-41 and 41 again this year. They are far removed exactly. from and they just, that and they Eastern just Conference Finals appearance. Yep. In the bubble, like that's 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 long ago. Like that's not who these Atlanta Hawks are. It's just not. That, it could have been considered a fluke aberration. Um, so who do they even get back for John Collins? What do they get back for that? Or did they just lose him in free agency? Uh, no. They traded him, right? Yeah. But what do they get back? I don't think it was anything that makes them better. I have them if they were five hundred and now they lose John Collins. I have them going down. Um, the Magic are trash, Wizards trash, Pistons trash. Um, <laughs> they they received the, Rudy Gay in return, and then the Hawks flipped Rudy Gay for Patty Mills, didn't they? Like, and then they, they traded they traded week? Patty Mills again. Did it, Patty Mills been traded like four times in like two weeks? Poor guy, I love Patty. Yeah, I would love. And we've been talking about Patty a lot on this po- on this episode. There's been a lot of po- uh, Patty uh, mentions. Oh, he's somebody that should the Hornets should be trying to get. Yeah. But um, to me, I'm gonna give you mine. Like, okay, 
like you said, Celtics, Bucks. Now, for me with the Heat, it depends if they get Dame Lillard or not. If they don't get Dame Lillard, they were still AC last year. And yeah, but were, they were a fo- they were a foe. They were they were really they were, good. They fight. were, but they were still almost one minute away in that second playing game against the Bulls from being up out of here. They so, were. you know, I don't even have them top three. I'll have Celtics, Bucks, 76ers, James Harden once out. So, you know, we still have to see what they end up doing. He wants to be a Clipper. So who? what did the Sixers get back for James Harden? So third right now, I'll probably put Cavs. Um, Celtics, Bucks, Cavs. I would still put the Sixers in there just because with Joel Embiid in the East, I expect them to be up there. Yeah. Um, then I'll put the Heat five just because you got to respect the, the runs that they made. Um, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. I would thing. say, and I would say that we could be six. We could get that fifth or sixth spot. Woo! We could be there. We could be there because I still look. I know some people that you know it was years ago, but look, we were a forty-three win team, and not and not was even healthy year. We still had injuries that year. We still dealt with COVID that year, and I mean we were over seven in overtimes. Forty-three plus seven—that's a fifty-one season right there. Yeah. Now you factor in injuries, COVID. Factor in that our centers were Mason Plumley and Bismack Biombo, fucking laughable. Now you have respectable center play where Steve Clifford had us as a what top five defense for the last month and a half of the season. Mm-hmm. Now you add in a Miles Bridges to that, a number two overall pick to that, add health into that. You know, look, I mean, forty three wins last year would have had us at what the seventh seed. Yeah. So it's like, so it's like. It depends on how the East, you know, how competitive it is, you know, because it can end up being where if you're not a 50 win team, you're not top six. Like it just depends on how it breaks down. But I think we could be top six because, like you said, um, the Hawks don't put fear in my heart. The Knicks don't put fear in my heart. The Raptors just lost Fred Van Vliet. Don't know what they're going to look like without him. They replaced him with Dennis Schroeder. In my eyes, they got worse. The Nets is going to be their first year without. KD or Kyrie or James Harden. They were they were yeah. propped up by KD that, and Kyrie. Yeah. Like, like they, they were went on a losing the streak the down the stretch. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, to me, Cam Johnson and, and Mikael Bridges is just not going to be able to get it done. The Bulls ran back the exact same team that accomplished absolutely nothing last year. They ran back the exact same team. They just paid Vucevic. So to me, by the deadline, they're probably going to be trying to trade veterans, to be honest. I don't even know why they did that. But to me, the Bulls don't put fear in my heart. They're done. The Pacers, I do feel like they got better. They did get a, uh, um, good draft picks, and I think Bendit Matherin is going to take it even more of a step. But still, healthy with the veterans that we have and Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, I still have us above them. And we already talked about Magic Trash, Wizards are trash, Pistons are trash. So, I mean, really, we're talking about can we beat out the Knicks, Hawks, Raptors, like, to get that six seed? I think if healthy, yes. If healthy. If healthy. That's the key thing for this team. Can we be healthy? And, and that's why, we... like, depth depth is so important, which is why, I mean, we have to give the money to somebody. <laughs> we have to give the money to somebody. But – I'm hopeful, man. Like that sixth seed, I'm looking at it like it's up for grabs. The East is wide open right now. You are we just hopeful. saw eight seed make the finals. You are hopeful, that is for sure. That is for sure. And I and and I hope to have as much hope as you have. I think 
at best, you're looking a six seed. I could also yeah, I feel, see. I feel like that's at best. I feel like five, I could also see this team slipping healthy, healthy. I could I could also see this team be tenth, right? Because you go in and you drop games to the Wizards in the middle of January, or you know you miss. It's a random Tuesday night, and you're in Orlando and. For some reason, Paulo Bancaro gives us 35. That's right. And Mo <laughs> Wagner's over there flexing on us and looking like a moron and make, making me want to punch him through the TV. Right. But yeah, I, hey, that's all, that's all we can do. Right. As Hornets fans, we can hope. Yeah, a lot of times it gets wrecked, but that's all we got. Yeah. I think it just, if healthy, man, I, I do have faith in this team, man. Just considering how we just mapped out. I mean, we just we just mapped it out. A lot of these teams is right there. It's just there a, are we going to step up? There and are take a it? lot of teams that are toss up. That is for sure. Yeah, to me, it's a top four. It's a top four, and then I mean, got to see what Miami does with Dame. Got to see what the Sixers do with Harden, and then after that, I mean, it's wide open. It's anybody's game, man. I've appreciated having you on. Let everybody know where they can find Buzz Boys and everything that you do. Um, Buzz Boys on YouTube. The channel is growing. We've had like 200 new subscribers in the past two weeks. So, Buzz Boys podcast. I have like the little emoji with sunglasses up there. So, you're going to find me. So, you type in Buzz Boys. And then on Twitter at BuzzBoys919, you can find me there talking about the Hornets and post my YouTube videos. So, I mean, follow me up there. You're going to see YouTube videos. But mainly the YouTube, please go subscribe and grow the channel so I get to down subscribe but that's my ultimate goal right now but I appreciate you having me on though it was great it was a good time hey do what the man said thanks for listening to another episode of Hive Hoops until next time adios thanks for listening to Hive Hoops presented by the league be sure to subscribe on Apple Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops.